0: This is Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow is a nonprofit organization engaging the public on critical quality of life issues so we make informed choices for our community's future. Visit us on the web at Seaviltomorrow.org.
1: What would happen to the Administration of Justice in Albemarle County and Charlottesville? If the Board of Supervisors chose to relocate their general district and circuit courts outside of downtown Charlottesville, that was the subject of a panel discussion held at the February 17, 2018 meeting of the city and county Democrats. The moderator for the event is Becca Saxon, vice chair of the Charlottesville Democratic Committee.
2: I was asked to moderate. I don't actually know a whole lot about the No. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we came up with this topic Couple months ago, we were kicking around ideas and really feeling like what had been getting lost in all of this discussion was the impact that moving uh, really the courts might have on uh, access to the courts and specifically for our most marginalized uh, residents and neighbors. And so, we really, I mean, there's a whole host of issues, but we really have wanted to focus as much as possible today on uh, issues of social justice, which is why we attorneys present are from Legal Aid. And so today on our panel, we have Liz Palmer from the Albemarle County Board of Supervisors. We have Kathy Galvin from City Council. Um, we have Mary Bauer, who is the director of the Legal Aid Justice Center. And we have Up. Um, is it Pustelman? Just Okay. Um Okay. I see your name in print all the time, but I don't know, but I've actually never heard it. Uh, and she is uh, one of the attorneys for the Legal Aid Justice Center. Yeah, Central yeah. Virginia. Central Virginia. Oh, I'm sorry. Central Virginia Legal Aid Society. Apparently, I can't read. I <laughs> understand. So I apologize for that. Um, and we're going to start, and we're going to give each of them, traditionally, minutes to present their talk, and then we will open it up for questions after
3: that. So thank you very much. I think I'm supposed to start. Do I do this?
2: Yes. I, I think we got a lot of people
3: wanting to record you today, so... So can everybody hear me?
2: (laughs) Can the people in the room hear in
3: the back? Yes. I don't know what I'm supposed to be speaking into. Um, So anyway, before I get started, I just want to recognize a couple people here um, from the county uh, that that serve... the county and the public. And our newest representative on the Almar County Board of Supervisors is Ned Galloway from the Rio District. And uh, thank you for coming. We, we also have Steve Colazar, who's um, from the Scottsville District, who has been serving on the school board for many years and appreciate his... Incredible service, um, and we also do have someone um, that I believe was asked to be on the panel. Didn't think he could be here is Bruce Williamson, and he um, uh, represents the Courts Committee for CABA, um, Charlottesville-Albemarle. Um, what I'm sorry, Bar Association. Bar Association. It was just not quite coming out of my mouth. Um, So I wanted to start with a couple of things first just to uh, just to say I have to be very clear that I do not represent the Board of Supervisors up here I represent my own um, opinions I have been asked to kind of give uh, some of the pros and cons from the Board of Supervisors uh, standpoint so what I'll do is basically repeat publicly what, what some of the discussions have been. Um, I think I can do this pretty clearly because I share the same concerns that some of the other board of supervisors who have been more interested in looking at moving outside the city. I share their same concerns. I weigh them differently, and that's really where, where the difference is and I wanted to just take a couple minutes because a lot of you um, I apologize for those who know this already but I think for some of the city people it's important to understand how the board of supervisors in the county works and so I brought this this little map and I know you can't see from where you are any of the writing but I want you just to note that this is the purple district right here this is the district that I represent Um, it's the Samuel Miller district it goes all the way from Ivy, skirts through Crozet, goes over to Nelson County, all the way down to the James River, skirts skirt Scoutsville up 20 and back up and takes part of you know, East Ivy area. It's a huge district. This little green blob over here is the Jack Jewett District. This has the same number of people that this has. So you guys have to understand that supervisors approach their problems differently. If you're representing all these folks, and I have a lot of rural poor, um, I have a lot of rich people, I have a lot of poor people, as do all the districts, but you can see that the density of something like this is much greater. So a supervisor that's representing them is going to approach how they figure out issues differently, how their, their concerns differently. And so my job is to do what's great, best for the whole county, but also, in particular, being an advocate for these folks. So with that, um, as far as the courts are concerned, um, I'm starting my second, uh, my second um, uh, term on the Board of Supervisors. So I'm going into my fifth year of this. The courts were one of the very first things that were on our plate when I got on four, four years ago. Um, we initially very, very close in. We got a presentation from our then county executive. We have a different county executive now, um, who presented a plan for moving the courts somewhere out in the, into the county. And reasons for this um, were given as it may it may improve costs, it may reduce our costs. We've since found out that that's not really the case. Um, It may improve transportation. Most of the growth in the county access, most of the growth in the county is occurring in the 29 North area for the future. So if you were trying to get the most people access in the county to those courts, you might choose that. Again, remember, I'm dealing with people all the way down in Esmont. So moving them to 29 North is not something I'm gonna jump on real quick. (laughs) Um, And, But uh, those were some of the reasons to move them. Um, Also, given relatively recently, was the idea that um, if you're going to put $35 million into something of taxpayer money, is it appropriate for you to spend that $35, $35 million in the city? Or is it appropriate for you to spend that money in the county? And that was something that supervisors were really wrestling with. Um, it, will it do some good for county residents for redevelopment on, on 29 North Corridor? Now for me I was looking more at the uh, social justice issues quite frankly and the, and the criminal justice system. One of the things that you learn when you get on the Board of Supervisors and I think everybody in here knows there's never enough money to do what you want to do for the folks who need that. There's just not and so combining services in the city and the county always made sense to me. I came up to <coughs> the water board uh, for the county, we have the Almar County Service Authority, we have the city water um, uh, public works and we have the Ravana water and sewer authority as a wholesaler. If you think about <laughs> the duplication of, of people and equipment in that thing you know, it just boggles your mind. So you want to combine services. I looked at this as we, need, as we need to combine more services between the county and the city, not less. We don't need to stretch things out more. We need to get together more. And then I learned, because I didn't know, I didn't even know the dist- difference between a district court and a circuit court when I got on there. I mean, nothing. But then I learned that the, the court, the... the Courts and that community have really tried to wrestle with a lack of funding from the state for many Mm -hmm. years. And they've started to look at how they can combine services. They have more to go, but the Public Defender's Office, Jim Jim Hingley is here in the audience, thank you very much for your many years of service, Um, was the director and got this whole thing started with the Public um, Defender's Office. But that's funded based on uh, a city and county joint effort. And so they're doing what we need, the rest of us need to do already. And why split that up at this point? So that is the main reason why I very clearly just said, you know, I understand the reasons for wanting to move, but I weigh the benefits and the future benefits that the, that the criminal justice community is is going to get from uh, continuing to try to merge their, their efforts in specialty courts and whatever. So I think that's an overview.
4: <laughs> Let's... Can everybody hear me? And is this recording well? Uh, well, thank you very much, Liz. And um, I am Kathy Galvin, Charlottesville City Councilor. I would like to preface what I say just as Liz did I am not representing City Council I have been asked to come and speak to this topic and as uh, going into my third year of my second term I am the longest serving member on council so like Liz I was there from the very beginning to see the close how we almost came to a deal and then how we backed away and now we're trying to get back to a deal again um, I do want to acknowledge Heather Hill I just walked in she's my colleague on City Council Uh, uh, recently elected last November so um, what I I, I briefly want to talk about what what the city um, has agreed to do because there's been confusion about that and what we can talk about is what's already been made public and and Liz you you talked about that so so nicely and um, So back in December, we wrote a letter to the county to reiterate what we had agreed to do in order to keep the courts consolidated in court square. I'll briefly go into that, and then I'm going to zoom out to give a bigger picture of why keeping the courts together is of significance to our entire region. So um, the city is already committed $6.5 million in its capital budget to... Make the courts a reality. It's important also realize that the court, the city's caseloads, are not growing. It's the counties that are growing. But we are so committed to keeping the courts together. We are investing in that project to keep the courts consolidated. Um, we also understand the, the 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 needs of our supervisors and their constituents to have parking. That's why we've also committed up to $10 million in our capital budget to put towards the construction of a parking garage. It is not typical that you will see a parking garage associated with a social justice issue. In this case, it really is, because it's hinging. We've committed 100 spaces that we are going to build, not, and the county doesn't have to pay for to build that, cor- that, that parking garage to enable their project to occur. Um, so I will also say that in part of that, we've also bought land. We bought land, at over $2 million, $2.5 million worth of land on, on the corner of Avon and Market so that it's adjacent to the court facility so that it's within walking distance. So we've already invested that amount of money. We've, we've hired a full-time parking manager. We have created an enterprise fund for parking. We are serious about making sure the parking works. Um, uh, we also are, are well aware that timing matters, and we are committed to making sure that the parking garage is built and is ready to use once the courts are also built and ready to use. There will not be a lag time. So with that kind of overview, um, I want to, like I say, zoom out and look at the, the what I call the... the the social, historical, cultural significance of this small quarter of the city. And again, it it helps to understand that my background is architecture and urban design. I actually apprenticed in the firm of uh, Johnson, Craven, and Gibson back in the 80s. And Floyd Johnson was the architect that actually was on the restoration team for the the Albion County Courthouse. So it is in that capacity that I learned about the architectural legacy of this important building. Um, and I did look up some da- data points uh, from the National Park Service, but this, this compact quarter in the heart of the downtown area, area actually preserves uh, a mid-19th century Piedmont Courthouse. And so that dates back to 1803. Um, Jefferson called the courthouse the community temple. It was the secular temple for the the entire region. At that time you had uh, many denominations from the Presbyterian to to Episcopalian to Baptist taking one Sunday a month to worship there. So there was no bias in picking which religion had first dibs. It was a full expression of freedom of religious expression. Um, you can imagine this is where Jefferson would bump into Madison and Monroe on a regular basis. This is a very significant piece of land in the heart of our region that ties both city and county together. Um, now, also... Again, getting back to my architectural roots, and I I just learned this, that uh, William Cabell, who is now the Cabell Hall and the architecture school is named after, was also the first one that put a a new frame around the facility. And um, it was also then later became a place where the Board of Visitors would meet. So it also ties the university into this equation. This is a very significant, historic piece of land that has tied our community together for hundreds of years. Um, now, the one thing that, um, and I talked about the importance of how this is emblematic of our, our legacy of justice and our legacy towards the freedom of religious expression. What this area has, has consistently failed to do is to deal head on with the racial injustices of, of that history. And I know that it's been a very controversial debate and I think the county looking at the city and how we're handling um, our public parks downtown um, have been bewildered at times, wondering why we're, we're arguing and debating so much. And I want to welcome the county into this discussion because it's extremely significant that we, we together create a more honest context for our courts. And that means that we are going to be the city is invested in redesigning those parks. We are and just to give you a little bit of detail, um, moving forward the city is going to be engaging its community in an open dialogue about what it means to have public space. What do we commemorate? What do we memorialize? It also means that um, it's going to be inclusive. We're going to be bringing in everybody in every corner of our community, many of those underrepresented populations that have been most harmed by our legacy of racism. Um, While the statues remain, uh, because we are not removing them until we can legally do so. We are committed to removing them, but in the meantime, we will be uh, undertaking this process to to figure out a way to then add that context to to tell a more complete history. Um, uh, We will replace the current plaque at the slave auction so that it is more prominent. We're going to be putting in place um, a a memorial that is from the Equal Justice Initiative, Initiative that commemorates the lynching of John Henry James in 1896, 98. Um, We're going to be revealing the history of the Freedmen's Bureau that was in the Court Square area Um, and we're going to be making sure that um, the parks themselves, the landscapes, are at least restored because they are deteriorating. As you can see the grass, the trees, so we we are asking that we look at this as a whole precinct, that the Court's buildings unified with city and county within the context that is much more holistically telling the full story of our joint history will be an opportunity to unify and and really promote social justice it will really be an opportunity to be a more perfect union if you will as we move forward so the idea of fragmenting these courts is going in the wrong direction on so many levels Um, Liz talked very very carefully and eloquently about the logistics and the economics of it. And I'm, I'm stressing the, the cultural historic significance of keeping us to get together as, as one people, uh, telling a full story. Um, and I, and it, it is demanding that we rise above our more narrow parochial interests. It's hard to do. Because it's so much easier to kind of be balkanized and sit back in your own corner and only think about your own, what you think is your own community. Charlottesville City is 10 square miles. Um, I think Albemarle County is something like 730 to 40 square miles. Mm -hmm. So it shows that we're about the size of one of the magisterial districts in the county. So we are also... Uh, not ward-based. We, we are all at-large elected councilors, so we are all thinking for the holistic need of our city. We are not looking at it in terms of, of, of our separate needs of our magisterial districts or our wards. And um, as a segue to my, co- my, my friends in the legal community, um, I will say that um, uh, there are some words on the juvenile courthouse by our most perplexing and yet visionary Thomas Jefferson himself. And it says, the most sacred duty, the most sacred of duties of government is to do equal and impartial justice to all its citizens. And so I will let that now be how separating them will not be promoting impartial justice to our citizens. It will be making it more challenging to make sure that everyone is treated fairly.
3: Can I mess up your segue just real quick? <laughs> uh, because I forgot to say something pretty important, and I should have brought notes like Kathy did. She's very well organized, and I've just brought them out. Um, anyway, um, the the parking, I sort of skipped over the whole parking issue. Um, this, is, this is critical for access for our community. It's absolutely critical. And um, and we feel as though we have to have some ownership over how that is used, because if you think about we don't there's handicap parking, if you have a handicapped person that wants to come to the courts, there they, isn't there isn't any. There isn't any. So um, we really want to make sure that our community can access this at the times that they need to access. And, and that's just very important. And with respect to the negotiation over the parking, which is what's going on right now, um, we greatly appreciate the, the, um, the city doing what they're doing. Believe me, it's, it's wonderful. Um, but there's detail on how that's managed, and that's where we are now. So anyway, now I'll go back to the uh, back to ruining this.
5: <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so my name is Mary Bauer. I am the executive director of the Legal Aid Justice Center, uh, and uh, I, too, will preface my remarks. I am actually here on behalf of our organization uh, because we feel strongly that it is in the interest of the people we represent that the courts uh, should remain downtown. But we're a nonpartisan organization, so if the Republicans invited me to say the exact same thing, I would do that. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, the Legal Aid Justice Center and like Central Virginia Legal Aid Society represents low-income people exclusively. We represent people in the city and the county. We represent people in outlying counties. We represent, we actually have offices in Richmond and Petersburg and Northern Virginia. Um, but, you know, in terms of... If, if,
1: I, if I might try to interrupt, but before you get to, into the details, does everyone here know... The context. Is, is anyone who doesn't is not familiar with what the two alternatives are, where the courts may be? Does anyone not know about that?
0: That's <laughs> why <laughs> the panel here.
1: Because I, I realized that Liz, that Liz and, and Kathy both spoke, but without.
3: Okay, I'll just do that real quick All right, sure. You. you oh, okay, but basically, what what the county has been looking at is the Rio Twenty Nine uh, corridor, right? Right there. And uh, we need redevelopment in that area. And um, uh, it is the center of where the largest number of people will be in the future. It's where it's thought and so that's the area that we have been looking at there have been other areas looked at but that's what we've been focusing on most specifically um, at this time but i will i have to step back what we did at the beginning of the year was we decided we would go back in negotiations with the with the city over the parking and we have asked that by march 2nd we have some significant Movement towards getting an agreement on how that parking is managed or owned. So
1: is that... The, the other end is that the city and county have been very close to a deal for a couple of years for a joint complex yes. corner of the park and, and high in, in order to <coughs> have general district courts located in the same building and the general district court mm-hmm. clerk's offices in the same building.
3: Yes, and the and we're when we're looking at court sets, I might be getting into a little too much detail here, but the city has said that they will pay, you know, seven million dollars for one of the court sets in the new building that would go would be redeveloped right between the Levy Building and the Redlands um, uh, Building. And so that that's a little scary in itself because you don't know what you're getting into when you. Dig into next door to older older uh, buildings, but um, but yes, we should have explained that overall. I've been dealing with it so long that I forget to. Well, that's why we, need yeah, we needed Bruce on the camera. Yeah, that's why we needed Bruce on the camera. Anyway,
5: um, so I want to uh, sort of talk a little bit about um, why, from our perspective at Legal Aid, this is a you know sort of profound issue of social justice, and I will say. Um, our office is on Preston Avenue. It's probably more convenient for us as lawyers to go downtown. Um, and yet, truly, we don't really care about that. This has never been for us about the convenience of lawyers. And, you know, our lawyers go all over the state. We represent people in immigration proceedings. And the closest courthouse for immigration proceedings is in Arlington. And they have hearings at 9 a.m. and our lawyers get in the car at 4 a.m. to drive up there because that's what we do. And we would drive wherever it was to serve our client's need. Um, This is about how low-income people have access to justice. And I would suggest that being on 29 in a place that is far removed from other courts effectively denies low-income people access to justice in any real way. The county did a, 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 I understand it to be a a fairly expensive study and hired some consultants to look at this and to look at the administration of justice. And every sort of entity that is associated with the administration of justice agreed that the courts should stay downtown. Um, And I would say one thing that I think is really important about that study and that is that there was no effort to actually speak to low-income people in a deliberate way as part of that study. Now, they talk to us, and they talk to the public defender, and we represent low-income people, but we are not, in fact, low-income people, and we, uh, you know, suggested repeatedly that there should be some system of actually asking people whether they think that having a court on 29 would be good. Um, Our own sort of informal survey as clients walk in the office is that we really haven't met anyone uh, in the city or the county who is poor, who thinks moving the courts is a good idea. Um, Presumably there are people, but but that has not been our experience. And I think, you know, one critical issue is transportation. The public transportation system that we have in Charlottesville, Albemarle is not very good. It takes people a really long time to get places, and if you have to take two buses to get someplace, that is wildly inconvenient, time-consuming, and people who have jobs are just not able to do that in the middle of the day. Um, the, when I have spoken to members of the Board of Supervisors who support moving the courts, I have been told that there is assumption, an assumption that the bus system will be radically transformed before the yeah. courts are met, and, a, and an acknowledgment that that would need to happen. I am you know, skeptical at best that, that that will happen in a way that actually makes it convenient for people to get to, uh, to a court on 29. Um, And I think much of the sort of consultant report and the discourse about moving the courts is based on this false assumption that people who live in the city only go to the city courts and that people who live in the county only go to county courts. And that's just wrong, right? So from the perspective of low-income people, low-income people get sued a whole lot more than they sue. Right, and so they get sued in a place that is generally convenient for the person suing not for them not necessarily where they live so just to give you an example the uva hospital system and the uva physicians group sue in different localities one sues in the county and one sues in the city doesn't matter where you live right it you go to Uh, the UVA health system and you may get sued in either the city or the county no matter where you live if you live in Albemarle or city or frankly if you live you know way out in the hinterland you're going to get sued where they sue and they each sue so many people so regularly that they have their own docket uh, each of them one hour a week in which dozens and dozens of people are brought before the court and I would suggest that they're not mostly rich people because rich people have the money to pay their bills and not get sued Um, and you know person after person you know has to be adjudicated in that courthouse that is not of their choosing and I think any lawyer you know in that practices regularly particularly in the general district courts in the city and the county has sat through a docket in which Somebody arrives, you know, five minutes late saying, oh, I went to the wrong court, right? I went to the wrong court. And the difference uh, between 606 East Market Street, where the city general district court is, and 501 East Jefferson, where the county court is, is about two minutes if you're running fast to make your court appearance. And so you can still make it, and it is okay. And when that Changes, uh, or if that changes, so that people actually have to then go get a bus and take it out to 29, they will not make their hearing, and they will lose. Um, No one, I think, that is associated with the actual administration of justice thinks that moving the courts is good for the administration of justice. Now, I, I won't get into sort of the other rationales about sort of redevelopment and, you know, none of them are particularly compelling to me and some of them are far less than compelling, but that's not my area of expertise. So I, I sort of leave that to others to talk about whether you really get a lot of tax income from uh <laughs> House that doesn't pay taxes but um, but I, 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 I that's not my concern my concern is exclusively about how poor people in this community will be denied access to justice because they're not being consulted in any real way as part of this discussion and that that is uh, a profound social in, uh, social justice issue for our community
6: So my name is Palma Pastilnik. I'm a senior staff attorney and um, the director of uh, uh, sexual assault advocacy services at Central Virginia Legal Aid Society. Um, This first came on my plate uh, the year that I was president-elect of the local Bar Association, which was about six years ago. So this has been going on for a very long time and I've been looking at it and speaking to groups like this for a very long time. As with Mary, Uh, I am here as me. I am not here as Central Virginia Legal Aid Society. Um, But my experience as a legal aid lawyer certainly feeds my discussion here. Um, I almost exclusively represent survivors of domestic and sexual violence. Uh, I operate in uh, Albemarle, Charlottesville, Fluvanna, Green, Louisa, and Nelson. And I represent uh, those people in all of those communities. In the Charlottesville Albemarle area, particularly when I'm dealing with domestic violence situations where there's a family relationship between the parties, I usually start in the juvenile and domestic relations district court, which conveniently the city and county decided a long time ago to co-locate in one building because... Our court system in Virginia is designed in districts and in circuits, not in city and county. So our judges are named to a district or to a circuit, so they can serve in either a city or a county court. So if there's a conflict or if there's a problem in the docket, one of them can step in for the other at any time if they are convenient to each other. In addition, those dockets can run at the same time, and they usually do because courts run Monday through Friday in most jurisdictions, particularly in well-populated ones like ours do. So on a given Monday, I could be representing eight or ten survivors of domestic violence in the juvenile and domestic relations district court in both Charlottesville and Albemarle issues and I can be running up and down the stairs between the two courtrooms administrating that justice and I can represent 10 people in a two hour block of time. If I have to run up and down 29, I can't do that. Those are people at risk of serious injury and even death whose children are in crisis who cannot get a lawyer because they have no money and I can only be, at my best guess, four places at once. I can't be in any more than that. Um, I appreciate very much that um, Ned Galloway, my representative on the Board of Supervisors, is here. If the courts were to move to Albemarle Square, it'd be easy for me. I could roll out of bed, I could be there. But I could be there for one or two people and that's not enough. And when somebody down in the hinterlands of Scottsville needs to seek the assistance of the courts of our community. They need to be able to get somewhere central, just like somebody up on the border of green needs to be able to. And having them centrally located is crucial. And having a model that is as effective as the juvenile and domestic relations district courts right in front of us where the county is still serving debt, so they're not moving that court, but they still have to police it and they still have to staff it. And to abandon that kind of a model and not replicate it at the corner of Park and High is foolish. We have a model. We have one that works. Right now, Judge Downer and Judge Barkley can run up and down the hill between each other's courtrooms when they need to they could run up and down the stairs in a new building. Mm -hmm. And the city doesn't need to move its courts. It does need to keep the courts downtown and it needs to make sure that city residents who are sued for hospital debt in county courts can access the courts. They have that responsibility to their community. But their courtroom doesn't need expansion. It doesn't need to move. But they understand how important it is for us to serve justice by working together. And so it is crucial that we view this as an access issue. And quite frankly, I'll admit it, I like being able to walk into a courtroom and say, you know, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison and James Monroe practiced here. I get to walk into this courtroom where they practiced. And that's where my city resident clients have to defend tens and and hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debt against UVA hospital not because they don't pay their bills but usually because they didn't get proper advice in the way that they could understand it about their alternatives for charitable care or for Medicaid or for any other program and so if they don't have a lawyer because I can't get up 29 to go to the new courthouse in Elmoral Square they're going to get a judgment against them they're going to owe that money even though they're not supposed to It's not that they didn't pay their bills, it's that they didn't access the proper program for them. These are huge issues for our community, and we need to take them seriously. We need to hold our city councilors' feet to the fire to make sure that they make the parking thing work. We need to hold our county commissioners to the fire to make sure they understand that a central location and a co-location is crucial for social justice.
7: Thank you. Oh, very
2: much. We have about a half an hour for um, Q and A, and what we usually do is open the floor, and then you can either direct to a specific person who you want to hear more from, or we just let them go down the line and answer the question. Um, I see a couple of hands. I'm going to start with the first hand I saw which was here then we're going to come here and then back I'm a former
1: teacher I know how to handle right <laughs> <now. laughs> well, thank you and this isn't a, a question just a, a little follow up on Palma to, to, to make sure everyone understands the broader point that you are doing for the possibility if the, the, the negotiations uh, this possibility of two forms moving between the general district court and the circuit court of Dalemaro County. That leaves four courts or adjacent to Court Square, both juvenile courts, the city general district court, and the county general district court. So the flow that Palma talked about that happens within the juvenile court happens between and among all of these other courts. And they happen in, for example, criminal cases so that, that I've been most familiar with in my career. So when you can't go from one court to the other to the other in the same morning, People don't go unrepresented. Their cases would have to be delayed. And in some cases, the ones that are being delayed, the lawyer won't necessarily have the choices to which one is delayed, that may involve people who are incarcerated. Who are incarcerated pre-trial and who have to be incarcerated pretrial even longer because the system would stop working the way it does most efficiently the course, all together. Yeah. So you're talking about more lengthy pretrial incarcerations as another the consequence
3: of any mentioned. Up here, okay, first of all, I want to thank the panelists and the Democratic Committee for having this. You all made very
8: compelling arguments and I, I appreciate, oh, okay, I'm sorry.
3: First, I want to thank the panelists for being here and <laughs> their very compelling arguments and I want to thank the Democratic Committee for having this because I confess
6: until last week I didn't even know this was going on my question is you sold me
3: (laughs) (laughs) but there's a but somebody obviously thinks this is a good idea to move things Mm -hmm. so my question is we've heard why we should stay here what are we going to hear from the why we should move folk you know and, and I confess if I have to come downtown like today
6: I absolutely despise it I will go out of my way to avoid coming downtown Charlottesville because I don't want to park
3: today I use the lift to get here
2: so our focus today was really on the social justice implications and we couldn't find folks from the social justice perspective who supported okay. moving the court. <laughs> so that's why you don't have folks okay. up here supporting moving the court. There, is, there are reasons, um, and I'm not, I, I'm not actually
3: sure who to... And, and I, I guess I, I'm probably the one most able to do that, and I tried to give in kind of an overview. Maybe it wasn't very passionate. Well, <laughs> I but But it's exactly what you said. It's exactly what you said. We have a lot of county residents that don't want to come downtown because they can't find parking, the traffic is bad, and so that's why this parking garage becomes a social justice issue. But 100 spaces
6: really doesn't address
3: the big issue. Well, it's 100 spaces spaces addresses for, it, it depends on how they're managed. We also have talked about And unfortunately, this kind of is Mm -hmm. is another issue. But we've talked about metering around the courthouse. And the thing about metering, well, I know, but I'm just telling you some of the history here. The metering could have been, if you got a summons or if you had to show up for, um, uh, for jury duty or whatever, it could say on the little thing that you get in the mail, it could give you a code that you could just punch into those meters so you would get free parking. And so it was, the, the original idea was, you know, to try to really revamp city parking issues. And we've all seen, you know, what's going on with metering. They were in, now they're out. Um, they're frustrating, it's, um, but this is, this is why the parking garage becomes mm-hmm. so important and how it's managed. And um, you know, and a hundred spaces um, during court hours. If you if you kind of knew how the courts worked and what the timing was, it well, fortunately, most of us don't. You know, that's why I had no idea. Like when I got into this, i never. The only time I'd ever been to court was when I took my 16-year-olds to get their learner's permit. Um, so, but this is, this is why the county, the city dealing with their parking issue is so important.
5: So I'd like to follow up on that for a minute because, you know, if we focus on the administration of justice, there's a, the county did this study, right? And they articulated sort of dozens of reasons related to the administrative, administration of justice why the courts should not move uh, from downtown. And they identified four reasons related to the administration of justice why they should move or that would be positive. And, and they're this. Um, there would be better parking for judges, better ingress and egress uh, for deputies. Although we don't know what a, re, a rebuilt court downtown would look like. Um, so those could be advantages of a, a rebuilt court as well that the courtrooms would be more modern better technology that um, uh, the clerks would have better spaces and sort of more spacious and more facilities and
3: finally
5: Albemarle County would achieve a more prominent public image those are the four reasons that were articulated, and you all make your own assessment about whether those are more compelling than the reasons that have been articulated relative to, you know, other and, issues.
6: And, and, and I'd also, I'd, I'd also like to um, uh, add to that that um, for most of you who've admitted that you are almost never in the courts, if you're not a lawyer or a deputy or a clerk or a judge and you wind up in the court, it usually is one of the um, less pleasant days of your life. For some people it's the worst day of their life. That generally doesn't support being an economic engine. Uh, and, and, And if you talk about the footprint of a circuit and a general district court in a shopping center that is going to come off the tax rolls. It's now taxable property. You're talking about taking it off the tax rolls and looking to that to be an economic engine for, your, for that area of your community?
4: I don't think so. So th- th- and if, th- I may, th- if I could follow up on that, um, I can't remember exactly what percentage of the city area is uh, non-taxable. But when you combine the university that owns property, when you combine, combine our public facilities, our city facilities, and our courts facilities, there's at least 20%, maybe more, of our, of our city land is non-taxable. And we are willing to make sure that this non-taxable land stays in the heart of our city. It's really important to understand that. It is mind-boggling to me that the county would want non- a non-taxable land. Well, I, I just, I, I think...
7: <laughs> As, wait a minute, i am to defend the county a little bit here.
3: <laughs> Even though I don't agree all the way, but, but, the, but, but the issue, we, we did do the economic study, okay? And it did show that there was very minimal economic development potential in putting the courts in. I mean, it, you know, they, they, the study was pretty clear. Um, but still, you, 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 the idea is, you know, what also, well, I, I can get into so much detail. We're looking at, for instance, public transportation and tr- public transportation hubs in the county. So how do you get that? Well, you need density. So if you put a court there, would it better support that sort of thing? So there's other issues just besides the economic development in this. Um, but, um, but, but it just it, it, it comes down to, to access and making sure that the, cap, the city is able to deal with their parking issues and quite frankly, I was, I'm in the county. I'm not allowed to have an opinion here, but I was really disappointed when the meters went away. I was frustrated the first time I went downtown because I was annoyed that I had to put my my, my license plate number in there. And, um, but at the same, because I don't know that. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, but I think that it, it becomes something that our whole entire community needs to support is getting this parking right because you cannot access these courts if you're you know, if you're in, you know if you're going, I wish that more of the courts were online but they're not we're behind on that we don't know when Virginia is going to catch up with the rest of the world and allow us to pay you know pay fines online and things like that um, but um, and hopefully that will get better over time but we don't know But if I have um, an elderly parent that I have to bring down there, you know, to to deal with some property issue and they need to sign something or whatever, um, it's hard to to get anybody in there.
4: And I do want to just add that I don't want people just to think that this is a 100 space parking garage. It's a much bigger parking garage. We were dedicating 100 spaces exclusively for the county's use. It's also going to be a discussion. So there'll be more parking in the parking garage. We're also working on the negotiations on what to do with the county-owned parcel that's right on the corner of 7th and Market. If if we can (coughs) include that in our negotiations, the parking garage can be bigger. But it's another little point of negotiation. So um, it's not little, it's an, another point of negotiation. So I think it's important to know that this is a, a bigger facility than just 100 spaces. And, um, That's good to know. Yeah.
3: So
2: I saw a whole bunch of hands come up, and I don't know if it's all in response to the question about the reasons, about the other side. All right. So I'm going to go with the, hand, the hands I saw prior to that first question. <laughs> so it's going to be... Jelaine, and then did you still want to, and then it's going to be up here and then Sarah, you're going to go and then see. And then I'll get to the next section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
8: I agree with the um, perspective that going to court is, you know, it's one of the worst days. I've mean, been going once and sometimes twice a week uh, lately and it's, it's not a, you know, I park my car, I go to court and uh, and then I leave. I don't even go get a couple coffee. you just run out of there. Mm-hmm. So I I don't see that being a, you know, um, just a point of history since so many people were bringing up the historic nature of the courthouse is that uh, there are also complex clan meetings held there in the 1920s, where national clan speakers and and, uh, hold their organizational meetings there. So not so fun as that. Um, And then I I understand that the the, um, board of supervisors hired, Uh, Stantec consulting firm to do a study on this, and that they pulled all the stakeholders you know, district attorneys, the sheriffs, the judges, the you know, defense attorneys and and 83% of the respondents said that they wanted to keep. Yes. The courts
6: downtown. 83% of the community wide respondents, a much higher percentage okay. of the court stakeholders.
8: So then, my question this is kind of a docking question for the Court of superintendents. It's probably not your fault. It's <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've expressed here, but um, I understand that that figure, that 83% figure, that, that, that you, you, know, you paid StampFact to do this study but that figure was removed from the final report it, it was
7: well on no, one report. of the one of the objections
3: which was was um from a, a few of the board members was that this was not a um Uh, Scientifically valid survey um, and statistically, statistically. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm I'm not going to I can't defend this too much. You go you go back to 2003 when the first court study was done, and my planning commissioner, who lives all the way down here, (laughs) was the facilitator for the court group in 2001 Mm -hmm. to three that did uh, the first look at this. And they concluded at that time that the sheriff's Department, all the, all the court stakeholders wanted to, to stay together. Now, the concern is is that we have a lot of board members that hear from people out in the hinterlands um, that say they don't want to drive down to Charlottesville. They don't want to go in there. they can't park in there. Now, were they represented well in that in that survey? And they um, opinions would be that they were not represented well in that survey, and that's why they objected um, that it was statistically not significant um, because it did not include um, all those folks that uh, they don't want to drive to Charlottesville.
2: But, but I would also add just uh, mm. growing up in Nelson County, and my mom now lives just over the mm-hmm. line into Nelson uh, in Skyler. That her opinion is if she has to go north of the bypass, she doesn't want to do it. So, as many people who say they don't want to come park downtown, there are a yes. large number of people who don't want
3: to drive to oh, yes. north of town, no. either. And, and that's where a lot of my a lot of my constituents will will say, yeah. what, "What on earth are you talking about? You know, I've already got to drive 40 minutes to get into town. You want me to go up on 29 North? Um, so that's you know. So but it's all about access. And I would
6: also yes. like yes. to point out, in terms of access, <coughs> if you go out to the Fifth Street complex, which is a sort of a, a good idea about what a courts complex at Elmoral Square would look like, where you've got big sheet-long parking lot. We won't talk about the environmental aspects of that. <laughs> um, but if you walk from the far reaches of that lot, which is where you're going to park, if you're not there for the entire day, because everyone else will have already gotten there, you park from the far reaches of that lot and you walk into the main door, you're going to walk a lot further than you would walk from the Market Street deck up to the Levy Opera House building and we're also talking about the city building an even closer parking deck mm-hmm. and again it's a much bigger mm-hmm. facility it's just that hundred spaces in that facility will be dedicated to court use only
3: so couple, you know, uh, please bear that in mind when you're talking cou- about parking as well. A couple of years ago somebody measured the distance between the far end of the county parking lot up to the front door And compared it to the distance from the Market Street garage up to um, up to the courthouse and um, as I remember it was actually a little bit farther from the edge of the county um, parking lot but the difference Mm -hmm. is that you can see it if you can see where you're going I think this is personal Mm -hmm. opinion people feel more comfortable about the walk Um, It feels shorter to them if they see that. And it's flat, too. You're right. And this is an uneven surface uphill. So to be fair, that's... We're
2: going to go here, and then Sarah, and then Steve, and then I'll get the next round of hands, which is going to be a little bit more of a challenge because they all popped up at once.
1: So you now have a more informed group here, (laughs) which is wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, And we all have a lot of things to focus on. In these times. Well, from both the city and the county perspective, where are we in this? Is this like 50 50 is going to go away? Is it like, no, how, how much energy do you need from the populace to make sure this happens? Or is this just a question of now we know and it's going in the right direction anyway?
3: I personally can't answer that question. Um, what we're doing right now, and I think this is all very public, is we're um, allowing um, our uh, uh, you know, county executive and, and uh, city manager to negotiate the specifics of the parking. Um, I'm very encouraged that this will occur. Um, But we have a history of this dragging on for long periods
1: of time. But does that seem to be the sticking point now? In other words, if the agreement can be made, the Board of Supervisors Correct.
3: If the agreement can be made that the Board of Supervisors as a whole, not me, (laughs) but as a whole, four votes out of the six supervisors... Um, feels is, is acceptable and adequate and that we have an acceptable level of control over that then the deal can be made. Now this, the city has the same problem that we, we do and I'm going to mention that you know, it's, there's always a fear that the next council might change their mind. Mm-hmm. They have the same fear that the next board of supervisors might change their mind. But when Kathy mentioned earlier that, you know, we sit back and we see all the turmoil going on in the city and we get a little bit yikes, you know, um, when we see, I'll I'll be frank with you, when when we see things like the, the Dewberry Hotel, you know, deal, it's not the same. But, it, you know, it's a private entity, but it's marching along. It looks as though that's a benefit for the city people because it's going to be better tax revenue and they're going to be able to have that tax revenue to do some of the social services that they want. And then a new city council comes in and changes that. I do not know the specifics of that. I'm being – I'm a little bit afraid I'm going to get arrows shot at me right now for saying this, but – um, but those are the kinds of things that we sit back and we say, yikes, are somebody gonna screen parking garage? It should be affordable housing. You so know?
5: There is one step that we haven't mentioned at all, and that is that it is the belief of lawyers who have looked at this that there has to be a public referendum right. before yeah. the county courthouse can move. And there is a very clear statement from attorneys working on this that there will be a piece of litigation uh, before the mm-hmm. county can move the courthouse out of the, the, the downtown area. And I'm sure Bruce could talk about that more because he's actually well, read well, cases and, and stuff. But. Well, and also
6: it, on one of the rare occasions, I'm, I'm going to give it to you in just a second, Bruce. On one of the rare occasions when we can say this, uh, David Descano and Rob Bell have together carried legislation to clarify mm-hmm. the legislation that was passed last year that had no intention of having any bearing on Charlottesville-Almoral County uh, issues. To show that, yes, in, if, if, if Albemarle wants to try and move their circuit court out of the county seat where it is in court square, there will indeed absolutely have to be a referendum. It will be fought. It will add to the cost. That cost is not at, included in the cost that is being uh, put mm-hmm. forward in the costs that the county is listing. Neither is an enhanced transportation system, by the way, either. Right. So, so, I'm and d- and so
1: that that Bruce,
2: can you come up so people can see yeah. you?
1: And so that bill has passed the House by a close vote of 100 to zero. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it has now been referred to the uh, Senate uh, Local Government Committee. And uh, its uh, it has been adopted as to when that committee is going to consider it. Uh, there are two Senators Cree Deeds, and, and Senator Bryce Reeves is a Republican and uh, Cree Deeds supports it I've been trying to get in touch with Senator Reeves office to find out his position on I know position uh, it would be surprising if he or anybody else were opposing and that, that would that bill would make it crystal clear to anyone even those in the county who have done tortured readings to say that they don't need a referendum on the, the last year's division Everyone agrees it make crystal clear that a count, this county seat couldn't be moved. Over.
2: And do you happen to know the um, bill number? HB
1: 1546, House Bill 1546.
2: Thank you. um Sarah, and then Steve, and then i Jim, I have seen your hand about six times. <laughs> I <laughs> promise. <laughs> Sarah, go ahead. So um, it sounds like you. Um, you have a very Did
7: you thing. stay after? Okay. I I really appreciate your social justice um, case for doing it. And Liz, do you think that most of the board supervisors are with you and moving towards this, or do you see any kind of timeline? And also, do you see a way that us citizens could speak to our um,
8: representatives and different levels to get this moving?
3: Um, first of all, again, I'm going to say I, I am not speaking for other board members and I can't really yeah, say yes. how they feel yes, about yes. things. Um, and um, I, I can say that right now we are hoping that um, the county executive and the city manager can work this out and it can be something that's acceptable to, um, to at least four board members so we can, we can move forward. Um, and um, I'm, ov- I'm always hopeful. I will say I am the queen of the optimists. You know, I just, I always think everything's going to work out in the end. It just may take 15 years, but, you know, it will work out in the end. Um, and
8: time um, is of essence.
3: Time is of essence. We need to get going on this. We need to get it off our plates. We have a lot of other things we need to deal with, and we need to make these decisions and get going with it. I really, truly see, I, 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 the biggest problem I see um, on our side is having confidence that the parking situation can be solved. And Kathy
4: speaks well for that. And she
3: speaks well for that, but again, she, I won't say, but she's, she's been very clear. She's only one. You know, so, um, and so, you know, it depends on where you live, but I think it's a perfectly reasonable thing to let whoever your representatives know that this, that you recognize that this is a social justice issue, that the, that um, our criminal justice system is trying to consolidate services or, or combine services to improve the experience for those folks that are coming in regular contact with the court system and that
4: you support that. Um, and uh, I just want to underscore that it, it's always important that you let your representatives know what you think period. Um, even though the, the council is on record as, as making these commitments, it's, it's now a matter of making sure that our negotiators hear that message too and those are the non-elected executives We are your elected legislative branch, if you will, but the non-elected executives also need to hear that you are concerned and you want this to be done in an expeditious manner. We have a deadline of March 2nd that was imposed on us by the county. I don't know how hard that is. (laughs) We should have put you guys up. But if they're, we're friends. We go. Home. <laughs> um, so anyway, and, and our dogs broker our relationship. So, um, so anyway, um, but I, d- I do think it's important that you, you, you let your voices be heard. I'm sorry, just
8: to clarify, when you say that the community manager, manager and the community manager and the community manager, like the is, you is it, is it the, the extra 100 parking spaces, or is it
3: other things as well? It, it's mainly how that, at this point in time, because we've done a lot. There's been a lot of groundwork done. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of commitments made. What we're at is that, how that parking uh, garage is managed. The 100 spaces are managed so that they're always open for county folks. And there's logistical issues. I'm hopeful because our new county executive used to be the assistant county executive in Asheville and he had five parking lots, parking garages that he had to manage. So we actually have somebody on the county's end that understands some of these urban parking issues. So I'm really hopeful, but then I'm always very hopeful. So.
4: And, and as I said, that we've, we have hired a parking specialist who came more, re- more recently from Montgomery County, Maryland, which has a good track record for smart growth, and managed parking is one of those elements of good smart growth. So um, I do think, and it, I, boy, I, I have a room full of people who wanted parking meters. Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> really? I was, I was person that wanted it, and I finally gave in because I will say, after the the um, rallies of the summer, we saw a 13% drop in receipts, sales receipts, in our in our businesses, city businesses. So we felt we needed to do something to shore up our local mom and pop stores and our our homegrown entities on the downtown mall in particular. So it's. And I am committed to getting those meters back because it is ultimately the best way to manage your parking. So I will be looking forward to seeing you all again in council chambers. <laughs> <laughs>
7: It is. So I'm going to
2: take I'm going to take Steve and then I'm going to have to take a quick question of the panelists after Steve asked his question because we're running tight on time now. Okay.
9: I just think this argument about the courts is a clear case why the two localities should (laughs) 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 merge. And why should we be fighting over who's going to manage 100 parking spaces when uh, an interest, when we're one region, we should think of regionally. Hello. Hi. I,
2: Hi. I can tell you he is not speaking on behalf of the school board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, do any of you have a response to the issue of emerging? I quite I frankly I would love to see it happen,
4: but you know... Um. Well, and I think what Liz alluded to earlier, we need to look at the examples of where we have shown really good regionalism. And the Rivanna Water and Sewer Authority is a good example. Um, we want the courts to be another good example. The courts have been a good example, right? And why break what's not broken? I'm sorry, the Ravana Water and Sewer Authority,
3: I think, ought to be combined with the Almar County Sur- Service Authority and
4: the and the city public works part portion. So well, I'm I'm, all, all I'm just saying is that that is a body that has a city and county representative on it. Yeah. And we are moving forward to having that same sort of relationship with the uh, Chancellor Albemarle Visitor and, and Tourist Bureau, um, where we will jointly now... We're, we're, that's moving through the, uh, legis- the General Assembly right now, too, where we would have elected from both uh, jurisdictions to have better monitoring of, of our contributions. Right now, we don't.
2: Okay, before I take any other questions, we have about ten minutes left. There's nobody coming into the room next, but I want to honor your time and the commitment you all made, and so I don't know if you have... a a time to extend beyond the 11 o'clock or if that needs to be a hard deadline for any of you. Not I don't to want to go on forever and ever, but yeah. I do want to yeah. get into yeah. the yeah. thing. Yeah, okay. uh, I, I like am
0: okay. not say, okay. show up.
2: Okay, go ahead. And then we hope it's we love
0: my it. Name John. No, mm-hmm. My name is not you known. I'm your IJP. too. I do appreciate what the panel has done here. I think you've given us a better overview suddenly uh, there's a need for something done about the high degree of uh cons- incarceration. Stuff. And I want to know how much of that is attributable to the fact that people cannot get to court, even the present edition, or that they have to go back and back and back. Now, I've been to court many times in my life, uh, of course. Uh, I've been fortunate to evade it in Charlottesville. <laughs> but so, so I'm concerned about, I know the access is very important, but have you considered that there may be a way of busing people in from an open parking lot uh, where you've got plenty of land, that's not important here, but you have to have the transportation. People do park and ride and so that could be an addition if these 100 spaces did not take care of the situation and uh, that of course might facilitate access to the courts
6: and, and I've spoken to a number of people who have um, suggested park and ride we have the trolley buses in the city and that would be a wonderful addition uh, to making things more accessible to folks and I know that um, Bruce and Jim Hingley also because legal aid is, is civil legal aid so we're not typically dealing with uh, with people who are um, pre-trial dealing with um, potential bond incarceration. Uh, but I do know that I sit through a lot of dockets where um, I do see that there is a, a, a concerted move by at least our uh, general district court judges to um, making sure that uh, Pre-trial incarceration is only happening for those people who have shown a, a tendency to not appear,
4: uh,
6: when or or who are who present a an apparent uh, danger to the community based on their history, and um, and their charges. Uh, but I've I've watched both Judge Downer and Judge Barkley uh, over the years. Um, Issue bonds less and less frequently that require someone to be incarcerated pretrial. That doesn't mean that nobody's being incarcerated pretrial. Plenty of people are, too many people are. And again, as, as um, Bruce pointed out earlier, uh, moving the courts apart so that there's more transportation issues and, and, and more difficulties with appearances and scheduling, uh, that would only increase um, and reverse a positive direction that we're in.
3: I would say two things really quickly. Um, uh, a parking ride is a great idea, however, it will not take the place of a parking garage no, supervisors, no, 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 no. clearly. And the other one other quick thing is that, um, and Jim Hingley may be able to talk with this, but Elizabeth Martell, who is the current director of the Public Defender's Office, very clearly told um, us that uh, she's concerned that people will stay in prison awaiting trial longer mm if Absolutely. the courts are separated because the public defenders will not be able to see as many people. Absolutely. And that would, if you, if Jim wants to comment on that thing, if hmm. that's correct, if I interpreted what she said correctly. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We have three minutes, so the
3: next person's not a chance to ask a question but not get the answer. So. <laughs> but this is important. To yeah, no, uh, just to
9: follow up on that but to make a, a larger point, the um, the fact is that the public defender office, as you indicated in your remarks, is an example of combined services. We have <coughs> people who are charged in the county, people who are charged in the city. And the idea of combined services yields for the community great efficiency when right. the courts are located together. Great efficiency through right. our office, the public defender office, and those efficiencies will be lost if the courts, um, the general district court, the court of Anaheim County are moved somewhere outside of that city and a consequence of that for us is going to be that either we have to have uh, additional funding to make up for the loss of the efficiencies that we would experience from our court relocation or more likely if we don't get additional funding the services that we can provide are going to be reduced And, and so that plays into the question about how we're able to serve people who are Uh, Incarcerated, make bond motions, and and try to keep people from remaining in jail free trial. That is a really important aspect of this whole question. So, uh, I've explained how it plays out for the public defender office. uh, Mary and Palma have explained how that same uh, loss of the efficiencies of co location would affect their operations and their ability to represent their clients. But there are other (coughs) nonprofit agencies who will also be similarly affected. I just want to refer to them and then I'll finish. Offender Aid and Restoration, which is a non-profit organization, does pretrial services and they are important in the issue of um, advocacy for getting people to be released on bail. So they figure into that. They do pretrial services, supervision, and they also do community corrections at the back end. They do sentencing uh, uh, supervision. So they have just in the way the public defender office does, just the way the legal services programs do. They have uh, the ability to operate in the dual court systems mm-hmm. and operate efficiently. Mm-hmm. They have cases in the general district court of the city, general district court of the county, at the very same time. Mm-hmm. You know, They walk up the hill just like people I described that other agencies do. Offender aid and restoration. So they're a public agency, you know, not a problem. They'll be affected by the corporate location relocation. Uh, their services will be degraded, or additional funds will have to mm-hmm. be given to them to compensate them. For that. Uh, the Department of uh, Probation and Parole, very same thing. They get involved in pre-trial hearings. They get involved in sensing hearings. They have efficiencies of co-location, which will be lost. Uh, and last, the Sheriff's Department. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sheriff's Department in Alameda County provides security. And their ability to provide courtroom security is going to be uh, stretched Mm -hmm. a great deal if you have courtrooms in in Charlottesville, which you can continue to have. You will have the juvenile court complex here and general district and circuit court if they move out to a different location in the county. So you're stretching the resources of the sheriff's department. And in addition to stretching the resources, you you are uh, making it less likely that they will have a core of people that could respond quickly to an emergency (coughs) (coughs) which is now the whole sheriff's department is concentrated in court square then they're going to be divided so if you have a problem you have some additional people who may not be uh, readily available to respond to an emergency or a security situation. So those are some of the agencies in addition to the ones that you have talked about. Whose, um, whose operations are going to be very seriously affected if the courts are due motion.
2: So I, I want to thank you all. I will tell you, I believe that the Albemarle Dems have this video that has been, this forum has been live streamed on your Facebook. Are you going to archive it so it'll still be available? It should still be available. We used to keep a copy of everything. And okay. We live stream. So if you have additional thoughts or comments that you want to make and you are on Facebook, I would suggest you go comment on that video. I will do my best as the moderator today to get you answers to the questions you had because we clearly should have given more time uh, for this or have done it for another session uh, later. But I will do what I can to get you follow up as soon as possible since there's a looming deadline on this. Um, If you are not on Facebook and you want an answer to a question, I can come find me. I will give you my email address um, and I will do what I can to get... Um, responses back for any of the questions that you have had. I want to thank our moderators, our panelists. This was a very lively conversation. <laughs> and uh, I hope you all stay dry and warm. <laughs> <after
7: today. laughs> I'm Janet I've given money to <laughs> it. And I give you, guys. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Much. Right. We really appreciate yeah, Cynthia. have a good um, oh, so I know, I worked with her on the campaign. like there's no better friends or yeah. right? uh, uh, Thank so we have him our system. We have We have our system. in our system. We We have you in our system. in our in our system. We